Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning, the gospel lesson as we enter into a new sermon series recorded in Luke chapter 24 starting at verse 13. So I was blessed to spend last week visiting my mom in Iowa for her birthday and then driving from Iowa to St. Louis, Missouri for the Vicarage Supervisors Conference at our seminary. And for those of you who don't know, Vicar is the title that we use for a student intern who is studying to be a pastor. So Matthew Girdle, who is away with Pastor Sam this weekend helping lead the fall youth retreat, is St. Luke's 39th vicar. In St. Louis, I was blessed to see and spend some time with Joel and Adele and baby Joanna, last year's vicar here at St. Luke's, and then Hayden and Becca Lucas, who now have two boys, Oswald and August, who were Hayden the vicar and Becca, our deaconess, interned three years ago. And then, to my surprise, one of the first vicars that I mentored here at St. Luke's, the Reverend Tim Perkins, now serving in Texas, was at the Vicarage Supervisors Conference as the first vicar that he would supervise. So Dr. Nielsen, who's the director of the Vicarage program, said to me, well, Wally, you know what that means? That makes you a grandfather supervisor. One of the baby pastors that you mentored is now mentoring another baby pastor. Time marches on and the church changes as it faces new challenges. For 110 years, St. Luke's has brought the good news about Jesus into this community. And so we, we look back and wonder at what God has done even as we look forward to what, to what he will do next. Now, I am sure that it has not escaped any of your attention that the culture we are living in is shifting away from one that identifies itself as a Christian to being one that looks with suspicion at organized religion. Therefore, the church is always having to review and to renew its vision in order to meet the challenges of such change. Now, a mission statement is like a compass by which we navigate this ever-changing world. Jesus gave us one when he ascended back into heaven. It was simple, straightforward, and easy to remember. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything I commanded you. But every congregation is unique. Every body of believers is a one of a kind in the community where it is situated, in its history, in its DNA, you might say. 
So as Mr. Jackson, our superintendent of schools, is fond of saying of our students, every child is an unrepeatable miracle of God, so also every congregation is unique, one of a kind, an unrepeatable miracle of God. God does not stamp out little clones, churches that all look and act the same. St. Luke's is a one of a kind. Now, not in the sense of being bigger or better than any other local gathering of believers, but in the sense of having unique gifts, unique skills, unique opportunities, and unique resources at our disposal. So in order to respond to Jesus' great commission to go make disciples, we have developed our unique mission statement to guide us forward. You're going to hear it over and over again. I hope you'll remember it and be able to repeat it. Awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. You might think of it like this. Imagine after church someone, we'll call him Joe, walks up to you and says, Oh, you go to that church? Well, what is St. Luke's all about? And the mission statement is what Joe hears. St. Luke's is all about awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. And so today we take the first two words of that mission statement, awakening hearts, and the story you just heard in the gospel reading is a story of hearts being awakened now maybe this story is familiar to you or maybe it's not but that very day is in fact Easter Sunday and all these things that had happened included Jesus triumphal into Jerusalem on what we had called Palm Sunday followed by his betrayal and arrest on Monday Thursday of that same week, then his crucifixion, his death, and his burial on Good Friday, a night of terror and grieving on Saturday, and the shocking news of the women who went to the tomb expecting to find a dead body now claiming that Jesus was alive. What happens next in this gospel is a snapshot of what God is up to in every single detail of every single one of your lives. Look, we just finished a 12-week sermon series, Walking with Jesus, and here we are on the road to Emmaus, walking and talking about all these things. And Jesus comes alongside and enters into our conversation with a question. What are you talking about as you walk? So let's try and pull that scene over into our lives. I mean, surely it's not that hard to imagine the emotional and the mental state of those two disciples those two followers of Jesus at this particular moment in time. Shock and denial, this cannot be happening. 
anger at the religious leaders and at the Romans, depression, now what are we supposed to do? What is going to happen to us now? Can you put yourself into their place? Both as individuals and as a congregation. What is going on in your life right now? What does our future hold? Do we not sometimes struggle with a resurrection confusion, a sort of brain fog that keeps us from recognizing Jesus' presence in the midst of it all? Does Jesus' life death and resurrection fill us with hope that drives us forward conditioning our conversations as we walk into the future look if jesus had come alongside of you this week on your personal walk with him what conversation might he have overheard going on in your heart with your family on your social media feed the economy inflation division in our nation the war in ukraine queen elizabeth's death your health and the complexity of our healthcare system, the kids, their education, their future, your marriage. If Jesus came alongside of us as a conversation, as a congregation, what conversation would he hear going on in our life together? The purpose of the next 10 weeks of preaching is to shape and to guide the conversation of our life together so that it more and more influences your personal walk with Jesus as you interact with the circumstances of your life. And suddenly they stood still, looking sad, But Jesus is so clever and so kind and so concerned. He leads with a question and all their emotions and the confusion of their life comes up pouring out. And he is here also to listen to all of that today in your personal life, in our life together. But he never leaves us there just to wallow around in the mess that this world is in. Clever and kind and concerned, but quick to cut to the chase. Here in this verse is the first occurrence of the opening words in our mission statement. Now you need to know and put into your memory banks that the heart in the biblical anatomy of our humanity, the heart is the functional core of our being while most western cultures including ours have tended to associate the heart most closely with the emotions the bible sees the heart as the control center of our existence the physical spiritual intellectual and social engine 
of human life. And Jesus puts his finger on the heart problem that every one of us here has. We are slow of heart to believe. Believe what? Look, research reveals that American Christians are woefully, biblically illiterate. Although I like to think and to tell myself that St. Luke's members are all above average. Now, I did this with you last week, but will you please remember that repetition is the mother of learning. The whole Bible is about Jesus, and the story of the Bible is summed up in four words. This is what Jesus rehearsed with them. That God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, purely out of divine love, seeking to share the wonder of his glory, created all things with human beings created uniquely in his own image to dwell in his presence continuously and experience the deepest, most complete satisfaction of body and soul. But human beings listened to a lie that God might be trying to hide something from them or maybe just control them. And once they had swallowed the lie, the lie that they could be their own God, the whole creation collapsed and the fall was cataclysmic. The world began to fall apart. First the creation, then the fall. God, however, was not willing to just walk away and let his precious creation destroy itself. And so from the very beginning, he began to promise, I'm going to send a Savior. And incredibly, really almost unbelievably, through the messy machinations of human history, God repeated the promise again and again and again and again. I will send a Savior who will redeem my creation, who will pay the awful price to make the world right again. Creation, fall, redemption. The kingdom of God is the world put right people put right with God, right with one another, right with the whole physical creation. And when Jesus first appeared on the scene, he announced that the kingdom of God had now come near. By his perfect life of obedience to the heavenly father, by his innocent suffering and death at the hands of his own creation, and then by his unexpected and miraculous resurrection from the dead, the kingdom of God, the world put right, is accessible right now to everyone who will believe that Jesus is the Savior, our Redeemer. Creation, fall, redemption. So that we are now restored by faith. Listen, people, all your sins are forgiven. 
and new resurrection life is poured into you day after day after day as we await the final restoration when Jesus will come again to establish the kingdom of God, which is the world put right permanently. All this Jesus unpacked for those two disciples and he lays it out before you again today. And now comes the moment of truth. Will we go home alone or take Jesus with us? Your sins are forgiven. Eternal life is yours right now. Every circumstance and every detail of your personal life and our life together as a congregation is a part of the ultimate reality that is driving all human history toward God's desired end. Restoration. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Are you ready? Are we ready to be transformed, our hearts awakened for the first time or maybe for the 10,000th time? I mean, look, eyes opened, hearts awakened, and on fire. Curiously, in the beginning, Adam and Eve's eyes were always open, and they saw God face to face. Then they ate the first recorded meal in the Bible, and they went blind to his real presence in their lives. And here at Emmaus, these two disciples, their eyes being kept from recognizing Jesus until he broke the bread, and in the first recorded meal after the resurrection, their eyes were opened, and they experienced the real presence of God, and their hearts hearts caught fire. Now we are about to break bread and drink the cup to which Jesus has promised to be really and truly present with him. As you come forward today, will you let him in? Will you pray the prayer of the Emmaus disciples? Stay with us. Will you take Jesus home with you today? Because this is our mission. Here's what we are after. Awakening hearts to the power of life in Christ on fire to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the story of the Bible, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration into your everyday lives so completely that your eyes are open to see that every moment of every day is lived in a conscious awareness of the kingdom of God, which is the world put right, right now through faith and then forever when Jesus comes again. Now, we stopped the reading at verse 32. <laughs> but the story didn't end there. As soon as Jesus disappeared from their sight, look what happened. 
They rose that same hour and they returned it to Jerusalem and they found the 11, those who were with them, gathered it together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Look, hearts awakened and eyes opened will absolutely, without a doubt, bring personal peace that passes all human understanding into your life. But it will not let you keep it to yourself. I'm punishing myself with a another James Mishner novel. His thousand-page saga entitled Hawaii. And I am just to the place where one of his characters, Abner Hale, and his wife Jerusha, and ten other missionaries and their wives are making the six-month voyage from New England to Hawaii. So I don't actually know at this moment in the story whether Abner turns out to be a good character or a bad one or most likely knowing Mishner a little bit, a combination of both. And so please, no spoilers after church if you've read this book. But at the point where I am in the story, Abner is a hyper-religious, extremely legalistic, but absolutely committed follower of Jesus who is trying to convert every sailor on the ship. Now what I found intriguing is his requirement that before he acknowledged anyone as a true convert and then gave them their first Bible, they must prove their conversion to him by convincing another member of the crew to follow Jesus. (laughs) Now you all can relax and be thankful that we would find that dangerously close to salvation by works, that you have to bring someone else to follow Jesus before you're really saved. And I am certainly not holding that up as a model for us to follow. But I am going to nudge you with the notion that hearts awakened are anxious to tell others about him. And then you go back to the text and Jesus offers a model for us to follow. Come alongside someone this week walk with them your spouse your children a grandchild a friend a neighbor a co-worker a stranger listen to what's happening all these things that are going on in their life enter into their conversation be genuinely curious about what's happening in their life ask simple open-ended questions share a meal Look for an opportunity to tell them how Jesus has made a difference in your life. Now, some of you do that instinctively and have been doing it for years. Keep it up. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for St. Luke's to be able to see and to seize the opportunities. 
Maybe something like this. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit mightily among us and awaken our hearts to the power of life in Christ and use us to awaken the hearts of those we meet this week. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Let's stand.